Okay, hello beautiful people and welcome to today's episode. I've really lost track. I think it's like 88 or something. Um, today I'm going to be doing more of like a kind of a brain fact, more of a deep dive about the benefits of heat, kind of extreme heat treatment and in particular saunas and the saunas that I'm talking about specifically most of the studies that I'm going to be referring to and all the information that's come out of it are the steam saunas where you've got the hot rocks and you pour the water on it and you get that kind of dry steam. However, a lot of um, there is a lot of new studies also going on with infrared saunas where they're seeing a lot of benefits as well. But I'm referring in particular to kind of that more old school kind of sauna style, which is really typical in kind of Nordic countries and a lot of the studies were done in Finland and things like that. So really exciting episode. It's not, it's probably not going to be, I mean, you guys will fucking see when you're playing the episode. It might not be as long as the other ones are just because it's more like the facts. So you're probably going to have less of me rambling on about what to tell some dud in your life and how to tell people to get fucked. But anyway, I'm, yeah, let's see. I'll see how long this takes, but it is very interesting and I, yeah, I, I did mention a few weeks ago or maybe even last episode, to be honest, that I was going to be doing an episode in particular about this heat therapy and why it is so good for you. So I thought, what better time than now? I've just signed up at a gym where I'm doing saunas. Literally in the last week, I've probably had five and they're fucking amazing for so many good reasons. And I thought, why not just like break it all down and just throw at you a whole bunch of facts to hopefully get you kind of into wanting to have a sauna. Now, having said all of this, a lot of the benefits that you get from saunas, you also get from the ice bath treatments as well. But I thought I'd leave the ice baths for another episode so I can kind of delve into that and talk about that at another time. If you guys have watched things like Wim Hof, this guy who like he's been on many podcasts and many interviews around the world and he does a lot with that like ice therapy, ice baths, that kind of thing. And the, the health benefits for your body, for degeneration, for your brain are just like absolutely incredible. But today I want to be focusing in particular on saunas. Honestly, you are going to be so excited by the end of this episode. Like you are going to be so pumped. You're going to think what the fuck this sauna, getting into saunas is going to change my life. You're going to, the benefits are going to be just out of control in every area of your life, not just health, but with happiness, with reduced anxiety, with increased attention, better focus. You can stay in the zone for longer. I'm going to break down why that is the case. Everything is just better. Your life is just infinitely improved by doing saunas multiple times a week. So I really encourage you to look for a place where you can do a sauna and it doesn't even have to be that expensive. Like there are some really gorgeous luxe places you can go to, or you can really like steam up your shower as much as possible. Like my gym costs 25 bucks a week. You can find a gym that has a sauna in it, you know, so you choose how luxe you want to go. But if if you do have access to it, I could not recommend it higher. And this is not Spawn, although I would love to be sponsored to talk about this shit because I can talk about it forever. Anyway, let's get into it. So I'm going to start talking about a study that was conducted in Finland because it's probably one of, look, uh, this is a bit of a guess, but a lot of the articles and journal articles and things that I've read up on do refer to this particular study. It's a massive study that was done. It, they followed over 2,300 middle-aged men in Finland for like a span of over 20 years. So that's a massive study. The data that they were able to collect was incredible. And what they found was that um, men who went to the sauna four to seven times per week were 66% less likely 
to get dementia and 65% less likely to develop Alzheimer's than those who did once per week. And then, of course, I didn't really find the data for those who didn't do any a week at all. But, of course, it would be even more than people that don't do any saunas at all. Now, there are other studies that have also done this on women as well, and the results are pretty much the same. So very, very similar. But this particular one, I believe that this was mainly done on men because I think in Finland it's a very cultural thing for men to do, I believe. Someone fucking send me a message and tell me if that's the case, but I know that it is very culturally common for men to do it, maybe also for women, but for whatever reason this study was focused on men, okay? This is very much dose depend a dose-dependent effect. So the more you do it, the better the results. So from four to seven times, you're going to see much greater results than one. But of course, one is so much better than nothing. And like anything, like training, it's kind of exposure and you increase you increase the amount of it based on how you go with exposure. Just like when you exercise, you can't like go hard out seven days a week when you start off. Um, You definitely, and also with exercise, you do need rest days in between. Whereas with the sauna, you can be doing it every day. But for some people, it is intense. If they're not used to it, they might last three minutes in a sauna. But a lot of the data that was done, you're seeing the best results when you're going like around the 20 minute mark, 20 and and over, 20 to 30 minutes roughly is where you're going to see the best results in you know what this is what what was said in all the studies so additionally all these studies that were done did adjust for things for other lifestyle factors so they they, all this information that you're getting they adjusted for things like socioeconomic um situations that people were in they adjusted for blood pressure they adjusted for different lifestyle factors and different physical states of fitness all of that was adjusted so the data that you're getting is is pretty close to you know reality and fact they're not they're not grabbing a bunch of really really fit people and comparing them to a bunch of people that are not fit at all they they adjusted for all those factors now one of the reasons why it could be so good to prevent neurodegeneration and you know degenerative diseases such as dementia, Alzheimer's, all of that, is because of the effects that saunas have on your heart health. Blood pressure is one of the things that was really, really reduced, especially straight after the sauna. They found that your blood pressure immediately after the sauna drops below baseline, but then overall stays lower the more saunas you do. Blood pressure, hypertension, any kind of heart disease and heart health or poor heart health is a really big predictor of neurodegeneration. And that's because anything that leads to poor blood circulation, especially, well, blood circulation within the body, but then of course within the brain, is going to lead to poor activity, shrinking in certain regions of the brain, shrinking in certain structures of the brain. You're getting less oxygen to certain regions. When you look at things like neuroplasticity, when you look at connectivity between cells, when you look at nutrients being delivered to the cells in different brain regions, that is very, very, very heavily linked to how the blood supply is to the brain. And when you have a heart condition, it's very closely linked to neurodegeneration. You look at a lot of people, that the the stats are there that people that have a heart condition are a lot more likely to get a neurodegenerative disease. So if you do have a heart condition, something like blood pressure, um, hypertension, that's something that you really want to look at and, and try and target it in as many areas as possible. Yes, there's medication, but of course there's things like exercise and what I'm talking about today 
saunas that's really going to help reduce that and improve your heart health to then ultimately improve your brain health. So these these studies found that saunas can reduce high blood like high blood pressure by 50%. Even after one session, it, a study found that even after one session, um, blood pressure was reduced after a 30-minute se- session. So blood vessels improve. They get better at expanding and contracting after being in a sauna. And, of course, the more you do it, the better it is. And the risk of stroke reduces, like if you're doing it four to seven times a week, the risk of stroke is reduced to around like a 60% reduction. Now, what else happens? Let's talk about other things that are going on other than heart health. So we've covered heart health. We know it's fucking fantastic to reduce your blood pressure. Another thing is you get a higher release of a neurotrophin called brain-derived neurotrophic factor. I'm going to refer to it as BDNF. So this is a kind of neurotrophin. It's a protein within the brain, and this protein helps protect the health of active brain cells. So brain cells that we need, it's going to help protect the health of that. It helps protect the synapses as well, the connectivity between those brain cells. It it increases the growth of new neurons in certain regions of the brain, um, in particular the hippocampus. So the hippocampus is associated with learning and memory retention. And it also helps, um, BDNF also helps motor and sensory neurons within the central nervous system. So central nervous system is brain and spinal cord but also the peripheral nervous system. So all the nerves that extend out past the brain and spinal cord, you know, to your limbs, to everything, all all parts of your body. It's also involved in energy metabolism. It helps regulate your energy intake. People with higher natural levels of brain-derived neurotrophic factor um, find it easier to also lose fat as well. Additionally to all of that, BDNF helps prevent and even reverse muscle atrophy It increases neuroplasticity and the reason it increases neuroplasticity is because it's so good at promoting um, more synapses, the um, neurogenesis, synaptogenesis, which is the creation of more neurons and more connections. And neuroplasticity, it's really important to have um, strengthened ability to have neuroplasticity because when you have trauma to the brain and injury or just aging in general, you want to have as many things that are going to help increase more connectivity, more neurons in certain regions of the brain, and that's going to give you kind of that cognitive reserve. I've spoken about cognitive reserve before, but basically... If you haven't heard me talk about it, cognitive reserve is where you're trying to increase as many um, things going on in the brain as possible. So as your brain starts to degenerate as you get older, you have a better backup than someone that's got less cognitive reserve. So an analogy that I've used is imagine that you've got a tree, right? And it's got like a few leaves on it. If you give that tree a big shake over time, those leaves are going to start to fall off and then you have whatever's there, which is just, you know, not much. But if you've got a tree that's been growing all these leaves, growing excessive leaves, excessive leaves, you can shake it and you can shake it quite a bit, but there's still going to be leaves on that tree. Okay. You know, you want to look at it as, so for example, they did this study. um, And when I say they, I wish I could refer to it, but I'm not quite sure who exactly did it, but there's many studies that are like this where they looked at brains of people after they had passed away and they had two groups. One, all of them had passed away after um, having dementia, right? So they had degeneration within the brain. However, one group, the symptoms of the dementia, the onset of dementia happened 
kind of 20 to 15 years before they died. So there were all these like symptoms that they had. There were, it was this slow degeneration where it was years of starting to forget names. You know, they ended up in nursing homes and they had like a kind of a very, very sad, slow degeneration until they died. The other group presented with the same symptoms, but those symptoms only occurred about two to three years before they died. So the onset happened and then in way less time, we're talking like five times shorter time frame, they passed away. So they were like, what's going on here? Why are some people degenerating, you know, at the very end of their life while some people are starting to degenerate 15 years prior? Now, keep in mind that these people were all passing away roughly at the same age. Let's say it was around 75, 80 was the age group. So it's not like the people that got the onset for the last three years of their life had a shorter life. They didn't. They had kind of the same lifespan, but they only got the symptoms in the final three years. And what they found is the people that only got the onset of the symptoms way later, it's not that they never had dementia prior to that. They did have dementia, but they had so much cognitive reserve that as their brain was deteriorating, as they were getting, you know, atrophy in certain regions, they had so much reserve in their brain that it wasn't noticeable. They had all these backup connections, backup neurons, backup, you know, um, more brain mass. So as the degeneration is happening, it's not affecting them the way someone who doesn't have cognitive reserve, okay? And plasticity is huge for cognitive reserve. It can be done through all sorts of things, but trying to learn something new all the time is really good. Of course, exercise is massive. Eating well, having a social lifestyle is huge for that. Um, Languages is massive and you don't even have to be born bilingual for that to, to help. You can be learning a language and you can start learning at 60, at 70. It's this idea of always testing your brain, always, you know, putting yourself under a situation where you're like really working hard to learn something if it's if it becomes second nature then you're not really getting the benefits so always trying to learn a new skill is really going to help with that um, cognitive reserve okay so bdnf is really good to increase that neuroplasticity the synaptic connections and your synaptic health and that's also really really good for long-term memory as well because you've got that kind of cognitive reserve There's also a link between people that have naturally low levels of brain-derived neurotrophic factor. There's a link between that and mood disorders. So if you have low levels of BDNF, you're going to have, you're more likely to have depression, anxiety, chronic stress, as well as Alzheimer's disease, dementia, and all of that. Um, And and additionally to all of that, it's also very helpful for um, people with chronic fatigue syndrome. And when you sauna, you get more release of brain-derived neurotrophic factor. The same happens when you exercise. Exercise helps release at moderate to high intensity, you're releasing more brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So that's why exercise and sauna, especially combined, if you train and then go into a sauna, you're getting double the benefits. It's it's phenomenal, the release of, of this neurotrophin that occurs within the brain and within the body. Guys, if you haven't already, I know I bang on about it, but it is a crucial episode to listen to. If you haven't listened to my episode of stress and the effects on the brain, um, go back and listen to it. And you're going to see that um, there's a big link between the effects of chronic stress and what it's doing to regions like the hippocampus and how it's making the hippocampus shrink and make it smaller. And then how brain-derived neurotrophic factor can actually combat those effects of chronic stress on the hippocampus and other regions in the brain. So it's absolutely phenomenal. 
Now, what else is going on? You're actually going to get a reduced level of cortisol overall, like the stress hormone cortisol. When you get into a sauna, initially, a sauna, you get a heat shock response. Your body is under stress. So when you get into the sauna, cortisol goes down a little bit and then it goes up. So you get kind of like a, a bigger spike in cortisol because you're under this heat shock response. Um, But then when you leave the sauna and then in general, your cortisol levels drop substantially, okay? Again, this is frequency and time dependent. The more you do it, the lower overall your cortisol levels are going to be when you're not in the sauna. So there's no problem having a spike of cortisol when you are under stress. That's natural. That's how your body works, okay? So when you're in the sauna, when you're exercising, when your body is under stress, emotional or physical, you're going to have a release of cortisol. But what it's this really interesting kind of ebb and flow where you actually start to improve how your body regulates cortisol. You want it to be released when you're under stress and you don't want it to be released in big amounts just in general. And that and the sauna is really good at kind of regulating that and lowering your overall levels of cortisol. You also, another thing, you also get a release of something called a heat shock protein. So these are proteins that are released in the body when you're exposed to high temperatures. Um, And again, this also gets released when you're exposed to really cold temperatures, so ice baths as well. But it's it's still called heat shock protein. And this gene gets expressed. It's called the heat shock factor 1 gene, which leads to heat shock protein being expressed. And basically, this heat shock protein helps prevent damage and kind of works as a protective factor within the body and also the brain. So for your muscles, your brain, other parts of your body, it helps eliminate free radicals and toxins. It also helps maintain the integrity of protein structures. So it can help repair proteins that have been misfolded. Proteins are folded in a particular way and that's what, you know, then the protein does its job and does what it's supposed to do. When a protein has misfolding, then you can get a whole array of problems and you can even get like it can lead to disease as well. So it's really important if, you know, for this um, heat shock protein, it's it's very quite amazing that it can help um, repair a misfolded protein. Saunas also help increase the release of a neurochemical called norepinephrine. Norepinephrine is a, it basically helps with focus and attention and staying on task and helping you stay in the zone. This uh, is the target. Norepinephrine is actually the target for some drugs to help increase the amounts of norepinephrine that are available at the synapse between cells to treat attentional disorders such as ADHD because it, yeah, it's, it's an attention. It helps you stay focused. It helps you pay attention. And saunas increase the release of this neurochemical. It also increases the release of growth hormones. So growth hormones are fantastic in repair and like repairing damage within the body. So muscles and also other regions in the body as well. Growth hormone is also really good to treat people that have maybe gone through some sort of a trauma or recovering from cancer or something like that. Um, growth hormones do like a whole range of amazing things for the body and the release gets increased by heat stress and the hotter the sauna and the more often you do it, the higher the relate of this growth hormone release. It's also got a lot of anti-aging effects as well. So when you get that growth hormone, I think a lot of people um, – 
A lot of people try and get access to growth hormones um, just for anti-aging properties. So not necessarily if you're trying to build muscle, while it definitely helps you build and retain muscle, a lot of people um, try and get growth hormone for, yeah, for anti-aging properties. There's clinics that, I don't know if it's legal, but they sell it and it works. So go and do more saunas and you're going to have those results. It's also great for myelin. I don't know if I've ever covered myelin before. Myelin is basically, so, okay, well, heat, basically heat stress increases prolactin, which is a hormone that helps in the production of myelin. And what myelin does is a couple of things. Number one, it helps repair nerve cell damage, but it also helps carry impulses and electrical signals or currents down the axon. So basically an axon is kind of like a, a connection from one cell that reaches across to another cell. Like Im- imagine it like a, like a cord or a cable, okay? That's kind of the image that you want to have in your head. And myelin, there's these cells. If it's within the central nervous system, the cells are called oligodendrocytes. If it's out of the central nervous system in the peripheral nervous system, they're called Schwann cells. Basically, these cells create something called myelin and they it's made out of fat and they wrap around the axon. The more myelin, the more of this fat that you have wrapped around in kind of in sections, it doesn't wrap the whole axon, it, it's like in sections, it the more myelin that you have surrounding these axons, the better the propagation of these action potentials down the axon. So any information that needs to be sent from one cell to the other, if you have more of this fat surrounding that axon, that information is getting pumped down that axon really, really quickly, really efficiently. There's more to it. It's quite technical, but it's that's what it does. When you don't have myelin, there's a lot of problems. So MS, multiple sclerosis, is a disease that attacks this. So you're in, in MS, the immune system attacks the cells that produce and maintain myelin within the central nervous system. So it attacks the oligodendrocytes. And when they're attacked, they flare up, they get inflammation, they don't function properly, and that then they don't do the task of wrapping the myelin around the axon properly. And when the axon is not coated in in myelin, it can't propagate that information, that signal, the action potential down the axon to the next cell. So there you have a breakdown in communication. So you could have all sorts of things go wrong. It could be your hearing, it could be motor, it could be it could be anything depending on where the myelin has been attacked at that time. However, cells that are that are producing myelin they're always producing myelin. And in MS, it might attack a certain region and then and then not and then attack another region. It kind of goes up and down. So people that have MS might notice that the symptoms are really bad in certain regions and then it gets better and then it gets bad and then it goes to a different function. And it kind of, you know, it's it's just constantly under attack, but it's not it's not even the whole time. It kind of ebbs and flows. And of course, it's very much case dependent on on the person that has MS. So when you do get a a bigger release of prolactin, then you are getting a healthier production of myelin. And lastly, as if that's not enough to convince you, it also makes you feel great. It's like the runner's high. So you get a spike in cortisol when you're there. So it goes up and then it drops down. And this high heat, this heat shock also helps increase 
the release of endorphins, which which endorphins contribute to – it's kind of like your body's natural painkiller, but it also contributes to that feeling of like that kind of high where you feel elated but relaxed but also quite energetic and in the zone. Like you're ready to do shit. You're ready to start the day. It's not like – it's not kind of geeing you up and exciting you, but it's kind of like that calm – readiness and you feel really great so runners always bang on about this runner's high and it's a thing I every time I run about 15 minutes later I get this amazing euphoric feeling and saunas have that same effect because of that spike in cortisol then the drop and then the release of endorphins so saunas in a nutshell are going to increase your lifespan they're going to increase the quality of your life. It increases your heart health. It improves your brain health. It, it um, puts off any degeneration. It increases cell regeneration within the brain, um, reduces hypertension. It reduces stroke risk. It improves your memory. It improves your long-term memory. It improves your memory retention, um, focus, attention. It makes you happier. It reduces anxiety and depression and symptoms of other mood disorders as well um, and attentional disorders. And it helps with your myelin to make your nerves and your cells communicate more efficiently. Like what more do you want? This is like a fucking game changer. So like I said at the start of the episode, guys, if you do have access to a sauna or if there is a gym, like if you can't afford, you know, those those really beautiful, luxe, stunning um, places that you can go to that are really gorgeous and relaxed. If you can't afford that, shop around for gyms. There's a lot of gyms that have like these old school saunas that have been there for a long time and you might not even know that there's a sauna there. Shop around. Ideally, if you can have a gym with a sauna, then it's just the the benefits are twofold. You can exercise and then go into the sauna and then you're getting double the effect because a lot of the benefits that you get in a sauna, you also get while exercising. But a sauna, you can do it more often and it's also helping with your repair of muscles. So it's kind of like that repair phase as well. Whereas sometimes with training, there's depending on the training that you do, you might need those rest days or you might be someone that is at a stage where you're only training twice a week or something like that. Whereas with the sauna, you can then bump it up. It's always going to be beneficial, but the more you do it, the better. And you want to be aiming for around, like try and get it to the 20 minute mark. If you're already there, fantastic. Just try and do it more often. I could not recommend this higher. If there's someone in your family that you are concerned about um, with their, you know, their memory, their neurodegeneration, do you think their, their heart health, send them this episode. It is the, the, the benefits are endless. The benefits are fucking endless. It's so good for your health. So please get onto it. It doesn't matter what age you are, but the sooner the better. Okay. So to wrap up this episode, I actually want to go through a couple of my card game for you guys, just so you can ask yourselves these questions and, and answer them. Um, and you can even pause in between each question, but it's a good thing to kind of ask yourself these things to notice where growth needs to happen and also where growth has occurred. So you can feel like you've accomplished something as well. So um, every couple of episodes, I'll do like a couple of my cards for you guys to kind of, there's, there's two decks in the card game. One is for partners. So you kind of ask each other a question about your relationship and that can be romantic, it can be a friend, it can be a relative, it doesn't matter. Um, But ideally someone that you know um, and that you have a relationship with. And the other deck is the self card. You can either play that alone just to kind of have more of an insight into your own growth and when growth needs to happen. But you can also play it with somebody else and so you can share more about yourself and open up about your life to someone that you care about. So 
Let's go. I'm going to give you three, maybe four. Number one, who are the people that are always there for me? Number two, I need to stop punishing myself for. And number three, what are two expectations I have of myself that I struggle to let go of? So maybe write them down and write the answers to it and then maybe revisit these questions later on. I find that the one that it's like, who are the people that are always there for me? That one really helps to, if you're ever in a time and you're like, oh, I'm not feeling connected. I'm not feeling this. They're the people that you want to reach out to. They're the people that you want to thank. Um, And also I think it's really good to be aware of the expectations you have of yourself so you can, a lot of the time, we think about expectations about ourselves when we're stressed, when we feel like we're not doing enough. Um, sometimes when you're in a calmer state, it's good to write down what those expectations are so you can approach it with a more logical perspective and think, wait a minute, am I being too hard on myself? Is my timeline too short? Could I still have this expectation? But push that timeline a bit and just be a bit more patient with myself. It kind of helps you be a bit more calmer around the things that you demand from yourself. And you might ask yourself, why am I demanding these things from myself? Is it because I want it or is it because other people expect it from me and things like that? So hopefully you can work through those questions. Um, Hopefully you start going to a sauna and hopefully you enjoyed that episode. Guys, thank you so much as always for sharing my podcast, for sharing these episodes with your family, with your friends online. You you guys are doing absolute wonders for the growth of this podcast and from like it's going from strength to strength and it's all thanks to you, Beans. I got I love you guys so much. Also, shout out to Stephen who I met um, in – I was at this epic cake fucking restaurant last night and – Stephen came in and he was like, oh my God, I love your podcast. I love your book. And he was just an absolute vibe. So shout out to you, Stephen. Thank you for supporting me, the book, the podcast. I get so excited when I meet people that listen to my podcast. You have no idea. It literally makes my day. So if you ever do recognize me, please come up to me. Um, it just, I just love it so much. Thank you, as always, for tuning into today's episode. Keep sharing the podcast. Keep doing your thing. Keep living your fucking best life, ideally in a sauna, ideally a couple of times a week. I love you all so much. Remember, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.